Welcome to February. We are excited to talk about something that is our expertise. Um, and we have two amazing guests with us, but before we get started, Dr. Jess, what's in your glass? I have some white wine tonight because it's been a long day and of doing a lot of dry nail, well not dry nail, ultrasound, <laughs> diagnostic ultrasound, we'll be dry nailing later. <laughs> and uh, um, we're just kind of having like a little, you know, relax after being in class all day. So Dr. Bobby, what's in your glass? I have some red cab, it's uh, called 1924. It is a special brought to the hotel by Dr. Jess. <laughs> I have my wine fridge. <laughs> so with us today, we have two esteemed guests who are also in our class. And so they got roped into being on the show. So everybody gets the benefit from having them here. So before we get started with full introductions, what are in your, what's in your glass, Sam? Uh, my glass is uh, old, an old fashioned with a house bourbon from uh, the hotel downstairs. Oh, that's awesome. I love it. And what do we have over here? I'm having what he's having. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so if we could kind of do quick introductions so that way everybody understands who um, is here, credentials, you know, we actually have some pretty smart people today. So Dr. Sam, tell us a little bit about yourself. So I'm a physical therapist in uh, Minnesota. Uh, I work in a private practice and I help uh, run our orthopedic residency program and I uh, uh, teach dry nailing courses. <laughs> awesome, and David? Yes, I'm a PT in Kentucky, 32-ish years of doing that, and uh, I, like Sam, uh, recently completed the fellowship in spinal manipulation and dry kneeling, and uh, I love doing that stuff. And if people don't know, a fellowship training is like legit. I mean, it's, yeah, that's not like, that. I mean, that takes a lot of work to get that, so, I mean, we've got some pretty smart folks on today. And, and yeah. Jess also, uh, um, she's done that too. Yeah. <laughs> Proxy. No, 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 Bob, Bobby's. Bobby. Bobby's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah, But yeah. Jess is equally smart. I was like, Dr. Jess, through the whole process, Dr. Jess got to hear everything about, oh my gosh, can you believe this? Have you ever heard of this? So, absolutely. Um, so today what we're gonna be talking about is, in our month of exercise, we're talking about strength training. And each of us are all physical therapists, and so we all have different uh, frames of reference for strength training, whether it comes to an entry-level um, patient who's in pain, but then when we bring that up a notch to getting somebody back to their what we call prior level of function, which would be their activity of choice, now everything starts to really spread out and become much more specific, and that's where it gets really, really fun. And so each of us has different specialties, which is actually awesome because you think about strengthening and it looks very different in different populations. So Dr. Bobby, what's kind of your population that you really, really thrive with when it comes to strength? So a lot of times I will work, I work a lot with gymnasts um, and I feel like that's a, kind of very specialized just as any, any sport is because there's things that we do as gymnasts that is kind of against what you're supposed to do in strength training and against how the body's supposed to work. But because of the sport, you have to train that very specifically for them. Mm -hmm. um, it's a lot of body weight, but it's also a lot of lifting because the forces of the landings um, is a lot through the knees, hips, joints, ankles, and they gotta be able to support themselves not only through the lower extremities, but the upper extremities as well. Absolutely. And uh, Dr. Sam, what about you? 
Uh, a lot of the athletes I work with um, end up being the pure, what everyone thinks about weightlifters of one rep max, power athletes, um, throwing athletes on the track team, or even some uh, wrestlers, grapplers, kind of that world. Absolutely. Um, and then Dr. David, what's yours? So um, I treat patients of all ages and everything in between, but uh, I'm also a ski patroller and I've skied since like 1982 and snowboarded since like 1995 and I uh, love doing those things and I love protecting my own joints and uh, people that want to participate in those things also teaching them ways to protect all of their joints. Uh, the common injured ones are thumb joints, shoulder joints, uh, collarbones, and of course knees, ankles. So um, there's some specific techniques that can really uh, help with that. That's awesome. And then Dr. Joss, what is your kind of expertise? With I love runners. So <laughs> I run, I love working with runners. And there is so much that you can do to get proactive with runners, reactive for sure, but mm -hmm. I love being proactive with runners. Um, so it's like so cool how we can think of strength in so many different ways and we can work reactively and proactively with individuals. And I think, you know, you talk about skiing versus weightlifting, running gymnastics, they all, strength is super important in all of those sports and all of those athletes and all of those activities. But what a skier is going to do is very different than what a weightlifter is going to do, which is very different than a gymnast. Um, but and they, they all involve squats. There are some commonalities between the two of them. Yeah, it's just how much do we weight those squats and how many reps do we make? <laughs> <laughs> And how complex do we make the squat? <laughs> yeah. So Dr. Yeah. David, when you're looking at skiers, what are some of the things that you look for in strength? Like what are some of your go-to um, exercises or go-to kind of treatments that you look for to build their strength so they could ski down the slope safely? Yeah, uh, obviously when you're on a slippery surface, uh, icy or snowy terrain and you're on a uh, wooden sticks with sharp metal edges there's a lot of uh, skis will go any which way sometimes in ways you don't plan <laughs> and when it twists one way and your body's going the other way there's a lot of rotational forces that can occur in the knee and we commonly see sprain uh, inside of the knee medial collateral ligaments or your ankle twist inside the boot and you can get a sprain or worse than tibial fracture inside the boot uh, so things that can help prevent those forces would be a good idea and usually that involves squats and lunges um, because the squats can, if they're done correctly strengthen your glutes your hamstrings and your quads and those are the things that can help uh, against those forces like you said if done correctly so what are the like common cues that you give to make sure that they are done correctly um, well, and, and this is a maybe a topic for hot debate, but uh, I'm all about that. The, uh, <laughs> obviously, when you're skiing, your knees are probably will end up going over your toes to some degree. But uh, when I came out, it was like a no-no: never let your knee go over your toe. And uh, so there, uh, there could be a time and place if you have a healthy knee to build up slowly to train to be able to tolerate that motion uh, obviously if you take your finger and you bend your finger 
sideways, that's going to strain the inside ligaments, and the same could happen for your knee. You don't want your knee to bend that way because the medial collateral ligament, or if it went the other way, the lateral collateral ligament, which we looked at today on ultrasound, right? Um, those things could be um, damaged to some degree or, God forbid, irreparably. And so um, you would want to try to strengthen it to tolerate those forces or prevent them at some point even, so. Mm -hmm. And I, I always talk it, you know, we used to be, knees can't go over toes, knees can't. But when we all squat down to reach exactly. for something, our knees are going over toes. So maybe in the beginning stages, when you're having a lot of pain, right. you kind of step back from that. But yeah. functionally, we need to get you back to whatever you're doing. And Might I feel like that's goal. a very functional thing is to have those knees be able to go over the toes. That's a normal movement that we it do is. each day. And ultimately, it's something you need to be able to get back to. It, that's the idea. Yeah. But not in pain. Uh, yeah, right. right. So don't exactly. With that, right. If you feel the muscle loading, not the front of the knee, just like hurting. Maybe don't start um, there. Right. Yeah. Right. That's where you start. And be aware of where your knee is in space. So if you can have visual cues, so you can see like a mirror or something like that, is my knee diving in? Is it diving out? Or is it moving in a straight plane? That's going to start to clean that motion up. Sam can probably delve into some more detail on that. Uh, yeah, so I, I love squats. I think it's very underutilized in the profession in general. Um, a big issue being we don't load it heavy, and I'm biased with where I'm at because I'm working with power athletes that need to be explosive for one or two times when they're done. They don't have a ton of repetitions, but even if we use, um, for example, shot putters, for example, for throwing, um, they have to drive backwards on one leg with their knee over their toe. If we don't train that, they can't compete. So yeah. if they have knee pain squatting, we obviously have to dial it back, but I, I even like getting into lunges where we can do the front leg, the heel is elevated, so it forces your knee over your toe, yeah. so you train it. So yeah. yeah, do your squats to in the quote, most efficient way possible where you can move the most weight, but also you should build that capacity and that ability to move in general, but then take that and if you have specific tasks that you need to do, whether it's getting up on off the floor, shot putting, running, Whatever it is, take a exercise that mimics that and load through that, which a lot of them turn out to be knees over toes. So you have to train it in some way that's specific to you outside of just the the basic big squat that's the, the heaviest. I like how you mentioned about loading and that we don't do enough. And I think there's two cases that I'll speak. One for our older population, our elderly population, I do think we underload that population a lot. Um, and to help them be stronger and help their bones grow stronger, um, we need that load. But also that in gymnastics, a lot of people look at it as a body weight sport, but the reality of those forces, and I can't remember, there was a study out that did it, but the forces that they feel in the landing is ex like, it is crazy percentage of their body weight when they land. And they need to have that strength. You need to load them um, more than just exactly. body weight. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And my role as runners need to be able to do what they are doing for a long time. So now we're really looking at the endurance of the muscle in that position. So it, like, yeah, if you can maintain it for two reps, that's great, but you want to run a marathon. Like, like we really need to be able to like load this progressively and for a long duration of time, mm -hmm. um, but on off. Right. So I do a lot of dynamic loading, um, with like positional awareness. So it's just like how you think about your activity really does matter because 
the more specific you are to loading is going to make you better prepared for that activity. Yeah. So Sam, what are some of the common injuries that you see with like heavier athletes and like what are you know other than squats? What are like some of the more common things that we think of for like strength training? Yeah, I I like breaking it up into a couple bigger categories because there can be so many different exercises that fit into it. Right. So I, I like thinking of it as having a couple core lifts, quote unquote, and a couple accessory lifts. So for for example, if we're using lower body for squats, I want a squat and a deadlift of some sort in the lower body and then a couple accessory movements that are their focus. We always build more to that. So um, if it's a runner versus deadlift or competitive deadlifter versus wrestler, it doesn't necessarily matter. Everyone I work with is getting some sort of push or squat and some sort of pull with a deadlift. And those that can be broken down and be a little debatable, but at least getting some sort of patterns. Then the upper body for their upper body days, they always have a push and a pull and then accessory lift. So it could be bench press and rows, it could be squat and deadlift or whatever that is specific to them. But um, a lot of the athletes I end up working with just in my world is people with spine pain to some extent and then joints that are closer to the spine. So hips, shoulders, knees, things like that. So a lot of what we end up doing since people are, for lack of a better term, a little scared to load up mm -hmm. the spine. They don't like lifting for the spine because they're told lifting with your back is bad for you. A lot of what I end up doing is purposely loading up the spine and showing them that's okay. It's amazing how many times, especially you mentioned by the, the older population, um, that I ask them, hey, we're gonna do this, and I give them a certain weight, and they look at me like I have three heads. It's like, <laughs> no, because I can't do that. I'm like, well, how do you know? It's like, I just can't. I ask them to just try it, and it's amazing how many times people are shocked that they're able to lift it, and they didn't know they could. So mm -hmm. our body's more capable, especially with our spine, that we give it credit for. So. A lot of what I end up doing is treating these people with spine pain with some sort of squat and deadlift and then a couple things that are more accessory to what their deficiencies are. Yeah. And if it's an upper body injury, same thing, concept, just different body area. So push, pull, and a couple accessory lifts. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, I think it's like we think about, well, if I'm lifting 10 pounds in the clinic or gym, but then I want to go like lift a paver in my yard, you know, or whatever that might be. It's mm -hmm. like, well, yeah, but that fever could be like 25, 30 plus pounds yeah. or a bag of dog food. I'd say or, a case of water. Right. And, you know, you, you know? kind of forget about that functional, you know, everyday grocery shopping, mm -hmm. things like that, that you need to be able to do. Yeah. Um, so in my world of runners, I see a lot of, you know, I've got a lot of ankle, like inside of the ankle is a common, you know, tendinopathy area, outside of the hip, you know, IT band and knee. And so it's going to be very similar with like skiers. I don't have as much lateral stress that I have to worry about. I do, but like not as much. Um, but my mind is more in like cleaning up that form. And so it's like, yeah, we want to squat. We want to work on hamstrings. We want to get into the outside of the hip and ankle to make sure that that endurance is there. The, that whole kinetic chain is clean, but for a long time. So hit me ankle, hit me ankle, hit me ankle, like whole over body. and over and I, over. I and over. Whole, body. whole body, yeah. Every workout we do is whole body. Yeah. Like we never do just one muscle group. It's always going to be pretty complicated with contralateral movement of upper extremity at the same time for the coordination that's required. Um, so that's going to be a big part of working with runners. Um, mm -hmm. So what about you with gymnasts? You know, a lot of. It's hard. Gymnastics really depends on the gymnast and their 
their limitations. So if a gymnast is really flexible, a lot of times we're looking at strength overuse. Um, a lot of times we'll see in, uh, with lack of flexibility, you'll see shoulder and back. Um, and because they don't have the shoulder flexibility, they're causing a lot of low back, um, spondies, you know, fractures, things like that. So it really is dependent upon the gymnast and what their weaknesses. And a lot of times if we're flexible, we're losing a little bit of strength. And if we're really strong, we are losing flexibility. And I will say the majority outside of major trauma injuries and gymnastics is overuse. Um, it's a lot of overuse, a lot of overuse of the hip flexors um, with weakness in the core. And it's amazing. Gymnasts are incredibly strong and we look at them and we think of the amazing things they can do. But if you challenge a gymnast obliquely so like in the side view anything outside of a straight a lot of times they're weak and some of that comes from knowledge coaching knowledge and strength knowledge and improving that um, knowledge as a coach but also gymnastics itself is very linear even though we kind of see it as twisting and flipping it is a very linear sport um, so David, what are some of the common like misconceptions that you have seen with patients trying to get back to sports? Where like where they're thinking like my cross training was good and maybe it wasn't. Um, well, there's a lot of good on social media and there's some <laughs> that could be misleading and I think people oftentimes if you haven't taken a lot of in-depth anatomy and physiology neurological courses you could be easily uh, swayed by something you heard somebody say an influencer on social media or whatever and it, it could be good or it could be good in certain situations but not in others so I, I get a lot of that is like well I, I heard this and I want to do that in, in my sessions today and I'm like eh. in certain <laughs> situations that might be good but right. in your case just like a gymnast mm -hmm. uh, they may be weak in a certain area that actually they need to come at it from a different angle. So that's why it's important, I think, to educate yourself, but also avail yourself of people who are trained in musculoskeletal things, mm -hmm. strength training, kinesiology, biomechanics, like physical therapists mm -hmm. um, who have dedicated their life to, to learning those things. So Yeah, and I think also making sure that whoever you're working with understands your specific goals. That's it. So how is this going to get me back to that yeah. versus just general? Because I think I see a lot of people that are really trying, like they're trying to balance everything, but whoever they're working with or whatever they've done on their own with research, it's just non-specific. So it's, it, there's like these key pieces that are missing, which is why we've got that recurrent injury or setback or you're not hitting the goal that you mm -hmm. want to hit. You know, maybe mm -hmm. it's a time goal, whether it's, you know, um, a more difficult run because we don't have the control or maybe it's a, a weight goal, you know, or a, a, a score. Well, and you I know? think it's important that you can reach out and get help proactively. You know, it doesn't need to be reactive. You don't need to have an injury to get help. Like if you have a goal, get help pre like prior, prior to there being a problem. Yeah. So like, uh, Sam, when it comes to maybe working on a proactive, like we're not talking about somebody in pain, but somebody mm -hmm. that proactively has set a goal, because this is what we talked about in January, is goal setting. So let's say their goal setting is to build power, mm -hmm. right? Like I want to get in the gym and I want to lift more weight than I did last year. 
So where's like a good starting point to like kind of set that goal setting in a more specific way maybe? Yeah, step one is identifying the goal. And then step two in my mind is, okay, where are you at your, your ability to move? So if it's just getting into weightlifting and we're talking just general strength, I want to be able to squat. I've never done it before. I want to squat 200 pounds, let's say. Let's just some, some just a right. random yeah. number. Right. Say, okay, well, let's just see how you move. Do you have the mobility to get into a squat? Do you know how to hold a barbell? Do you know how to, uh, is when you're squatting for the first time with any weights, are you very good at the top half of the movement, but as soon as you need more motion, you're struggling. Once you can do a little bit of analysis on what they're very good at versus maybe struggling with, then you can build a program to work on what they're struggling with. Right. If you're doing something really well, hit that hard to give to your ability to load it and get the capacity to move higher, but then take those accessory movements to really hit what you struggle with. And then as you are working on that piece of it, your weaknesses become your strengths, your strengths become even better, and then you can get deeper into your squat. You can get to 100 pounds, 150 pounds, 200 pounds, and every time you hit a certain milestone, it might change what you're working on. Great, that's just your new accessory left. I mean, you can just keep building your, your big stuff that you're, you're doing. Right. But identify the goal, figure out where you're at for as an individual, do the big movements really well, and then add in some smaller pieces to work on what you're struggling with, and just take it slow over time to build there. I think like the key is like, how do you know if you're doing a squat well? I think like a very simple thing is, can you keep your heels on the ground? Mm -hmm. Like, or do you come up on your toes, right? Or like, where is your upper back in space, mm -hmm. right? So like a couple key things like that you should be able to do. Um, you shouldn't be falling forward or falling backwards. Like you should be able to maintain your balance and go down. So if you can't, that's where you have to start identifying what's, what's up with that mobility. I also think it's important as you were saying or talking is like technique like it's not innate you know like sometimes you need that outside person to watch to teach you how to squat we all think we know how to squat up and down but if you start loading that and it's not correct or you know can cause injury from there and I, I find that a lot in like teens you know teens high school you know we we assume all coaches know how to properly teach kids to lift and that's not true for the most part. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I'd say it's um, that, that's definitely true. And I, being a former high school weightlifter that had an ego <laughs> with them, um, ego lifting is a thing, and especially that at least in my world for football track where we want to put up a bunch of weight. If you want to know what your deficiencies are, put on too much weight. <laughs> um, you'll be able to see pretty quickly maybe where you're weak and your technique's not great. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so there's absolutely some coaches that. Um, are a little behind on what they should be doing, but there's also coaches doing great things and their athletes maybe have an ego to them. And if they push too far, they need to be real back. Yeah, so yeah. Um, it's it, it's an interesting world once you start getting into yes. the youth athletes for yeah. sure. So uh, Dr. Sam, you're out in Minnesota. If someone is in that area, where they, could they come to see you um, to get more education, to be treated, things like that? Tell us a little, tell our viewers just a little bit. Yeah, so I, I work at a private practice in Rochester, Minnesota. Um, so you can, if you're in Rochester, Minnesota, Southern Minnesota, you can look us up. Uh, we're at Active PT. Um, we offer uh, some free screens if you want to come talk to us and see what we have to offer. Awesome. And awesome. Dr. David? Uh, Richmond, Kentucky, which is <laughs> close to Lexington, Kentucky. And uh, I know you think like 
does he really ski? Well, I, I, there's a ski resort in Cincinnati, so I, I go there. But um, yeah, I'm in, in Richmond, Kentucky. Uh, Bluegrass Orthopedics is the clinic that I work in. Yeah, and we'll link those in the episode description yeah. as well. Yeah. Dr. Jess, let's tell, tell us your clinic. Yep, Core Essentials Physical Therapy and Wellness in Jacksonville, Florida. A little bit different than Kentucky, Chicago, and <laughs> We're a little colder. In Florida, and it's winter time, and I am happily living in Florida. <laughs> and then if you're in the Naperville, Chicagoland area, you can come to Level Up Osteopractic. So we'd love to help you all. Absolutely. So just stay tuned for what's coming up later this month. We're talking all exercise. So we're going to get into cardio, flexibility, mobility, all sorts of fun stuff. But hopefully you'll learn something about strength and how strength really does look different depending on the individual. So, all right, stay tuned, like and follow. Thank you for listening to the episode today. If you would like to learn more about how Two Gals can support you, then join our Two Gals Insiders membership, which can be found at www.2-gals.com. Also, don't forget, follow us on social media. We're on Facebook as well as Instagram. Okay, everybody. Bye. Enjoy your week.